0: Hello, everyone. I I just want to thank you. I want to start by thanking all of you that listen to the podcast and encourage me to keep it up because it really helps me stay on my toes and study and absorb principles and things. And the last thing, you know, I... I look at some of the things that I, you know, maybe I guess teach or talk about on this podcast, and I used to classify some of that as what I called highbrow legalism, and what I meant by that is that there are some churches you go to that all you hear is, here's five more ways to have a better marriage, here's three more keys to prosperity, and so you leave church like, well, I got the first two right this week, I really got to work on number three, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that unless you allow it to condemn you. You know, that we're all in a growth process. You know, I talked about in the last podcast series, I talked about discipline and diligence and decision making. Friends, let me tell you, I struggle with all of this stuff myself. And that's why the podcast helps me, remind me. You know, more often, the older we get, it's not that we need to learn something new. We need to remind ourselves ourselves. Right uh, of things that we know and just bring them back so that we're always growing and and having a better journey, having the abundant life that God wants us to have. But uh, I just hope that none of this stuff ever makes you feel like, oh gosh, here's here's three more things I got to work on this week, you know, or else. No, it's not or else. You know, thank God He's kind to us. We're gonna talk about that in a minute. But uh, I wanted to. Um, well, our, our series is called Concealed. Carry, okay. I bet that got some tension, some attention. Uh, how how important it is that we leave home every day armed and ready. And I'll. I'll explain. But first, let me give you a Life on the Verge update, just let you know what's going on. If you're listening maybe for the first time, uh, this is a ministry of Life on the Verge Ministries. We can be found at lifeontheverge.com. We're a musicianary ministry that goes into prisons mostly, but we play wherever, really. The Lord opens the door to use uh, You know the skill that we have with music. Uh, as limited as that may be, we, we take advantage of every opportunity to somehow just really interact with people. But our primary focus... Is prisons and uh, we go with the intention to entertain the crowd, edify the church, and evangelize the lost. And so we thank all of those that support us. Another arm of Life on the Verge is the Good Infection Project that sends out resources every quarter. Right now, to a hundred prisons from Florida to Alaska, we send out DVDs. This next shipment is about to go out. Um, I think there's four or five. Actually, I think there's five DVDs that are going out that'll go into the library at the. These hundred prison, these one hundred prisons, uh, to be viewed, and we're finding out. We started this when everything got shut down, and we couldn't get into prison. And we're finding out now that we're going back to prisons. Really, only Florida's only place we've been able to go. But we did twenty three. Uh, ministry concert-type things down there throughout the spring and summer, and we ran across uh, many inmates who showed great appreciation for those videos. So uh, that also formed a team in West Virginia at a church, Hope Community Church, formed to help duplicate and package and label and ship all this stuff out. We just create the content or gather the content from other ministries, and they ship it out. And, uh, so we're so thankful for them and we're so thankful that it created a ministry for this church to do what Jesus said and to visit those in prisons, uh, even if it's by mail and DVD. So we we just finished the December, uh, content that's all been shipped out to, to Hope Community Church and that will actually be shipped out to the prisons, I think the first week of, uh, December. So thank you guys for supporting that. It has led to open, well, invitations uh, to prisons in Ohio, Washington State, Idaho, Texas, prisons we've never been to, but because we didn't forget them during the pandemic, you helped us uh, keep shipping these resources out. These chaplains have contacted us, contacted us and invited us to come, and as soon as we are able, we will certainly make every attempt for that to happen. Another cool thing about this uh, shipment of the good infection is uh, it will include some handmade cards for the chaplains themselves from a company called Proximo Marketing. Proximo Marketing is a uh, marketing company that is head by Courtney Bazell Riley, and I guess Katie Blevins Calabrese is a key part of that. Their website is www.proximomarketing.com. Um, they, if you need a, a, a marketing campaign, I highly endorse them. They partner with Life on the Verge. Uh, I know Courtney and Katie are just fireballs. I don't know everybody that's a part of the company, but they really are super likable people. They're good at what they do, and uh, they have supported Life on the Verge. Financially, and with this good infection shipment. So, check it out. Another thing we're up to is getting a lot of maintenance done. We're taking the RV and dropping it off. There needs to be some repairs done on that. And our car needs to be repaired. Our soundboard needs to be repaired. And this week, I'll be contacting chaplains about booking for our 2022 tour. We're going to take Stirred Not Shaken, uh, that tour, uh, down to South Florida in 2022, God willing. We didn't do South Florida last year or Central Florida. We did everything in the panhandle. And then we we'll will eventually make it to the Panhandle and hopefully some other places, but we're going to start contacting chaplains this week. So enough about that. Thank you for supporting Life on the Verse. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Let's get on with it. Concealed carry. Okay, this is not a message uh, about firearms, uh, just like uh, shots fired a while back. I'm a big supporter of the right to bear arms. You know, I I carry a pistol most places, and I have a concealed carry permit. Um, Now, I've I've graduated two police academies. I've shot thousands, if not tens of thousands of rounds in all sorts of training circumstances, and I know how to handle a gun. And uh, I guess I don't carry it as much for my protection— as I do, that I might be able to do something to save someone's life uh, in a tragic circumstance. And so, you know, I, I believe in that. And I understand, you know, the people, the NRA, they know if, you know, and other gun rights advocates, they know if you give the government an inch, they'll take a mile, right? And so, like, one of the things that aggravates me, this has nothing to do with the podcast, but this is my personal opinion, is I go someplace like New York City, And even though I've fired tens of thousands of rounds, and I am a trained police officer, not one, but two major police academies, urban police academies, six months of training in both of those, and ten years as a police officer, even though I might be able to stop some horrific event, as seems to happen every day in New York City, if I go into New York City with a gun, I'm charged with a felony. I got a problem with that. Same thing with Chicago, most murderous city, you know. And uh, anyway, that's my rant. But you, you look at, at at a situation like a West Freeway Church of Christ in Granbury, Texas, a year or so ago, where a guy walks into church, and he's got a long coat on, a fake beard on, and draws a shotgun out, and he shoots and kills two people. But one of the security guys was a trained reserve deputy, and he drew his weapon and took that guy out before he could kill any more people. It's tragedy all the way around, but I'm just saying there's a place for guns, and I'm, I'm not here to talk about guns. You, you can agree with me or not. Um, that's okay. We can still be kind to one another, right? Um, but when I talk about concealed carry, as far as this series goes, we all walk around concealing things every day. We conceal our worry, our fear, our doubt. We conceal offenses that have happened to us, wounds, grief. You know, today I got the tragic news. I mean, it's hev- rejoicing in heaven, but it's tragic news for my friend Brian Bayford, uh, Dorothy Bayford. His second wife, his first wife, was killed in an automobile accident right in front of our church in Gloucester uh, a couple of decades ago at least, and uh, and he remarried and to another lady in our church who was coming from a very violent domestic situation, and they created such a wonderful family. They adopted foster children. They ran two different businesses, at least two, maybe more, Uh, but wonderful couple, couple, supporters of Life on the Verge. My daughter Brittany was best friends with one of their daughters, and uh, Dorothy went to be with Jesus, I guess, today after a very long several-month battle with COVID in the hospital. And uh, so Brian is... Is carrying around some heavy grief today, and he he made for the first little while, you know, wear it on his shirt sleeve, so to speak. Um, but he'll carry that for the rest of his life. And we carry these things. We carry we carry, you know, embarrassing sinful struggles that we have that nobody else really knows about. We're too embarrassed to talk about them. This past week, a pastor at a church that I have affection for from years ago, when I first came to Christ, Susan and I attended Rock Church in Virginia Beach, and that church changed a lot over the years, but it was critical in our early formation as Christians, and uh, John Jimenez, the senior pastor, uh, I guess co-senior pastor, um, passed away, went to heaven uh, maybe a decade ago or so, and his son-in-law was the pastor. And this past week, he was arrested for uh, trying to meet up with an underage girl right here in my county, Chesterfield County. Though the church is in Virginia Beach, I'm not saying that to expose him. It's all over the news, and and of course, you know, our our knee jerk reaction is scumbag. Some people um, may have that, but but the fact is is that. This season will pass. But first off, that man carried a sinful struggle. He was in a position as pastor. Probably not a lot of people he felt like he could talk to. And that's the danger of people that are in high positions in church. Okay. And it's also the danger when we create heroes out of them, too big a heroes. We should honor our pastors. But we need to understand there's there's real danger in hero worship and putting that kind of pressure on a pastor. You know, a pastor can be charismatic, a pastor can be a super-skilled communicator, but all of that, much of that, I should say, is learned. The thing that we need to realize is that he's still fallible. That pastor is still fallible. He needs our support. It's a t- It needs our prayers. Because it's really tough when you're the pastor and there's thousands of people or even hundreds of people or less than that, but people are looking to you as some sort of hero, and you don't want to let them down, then when you have a seed of sin in your life, you don't really feel like there's a lot of people that you can talk to. I mean, you should do it anyway. It takes humility and vulnerability, but it really is, it gets political, to be honest. With some denominations, it's like... If you talk to somebody about this struggle, the first thing they're going to want to do is sit you down, take you out of the pulpit, expose you. It's it's so it's a really tough tough spot. So I encourage you to honor your pastor, pray for your pastor, but be leery uh, of making that pastor into some sort of rock star hero, uh, because it positions leaders for failure when we do that. Anyway, I'm getting totally sidetracked. The point is, is that that man will, will now, his whole family's been embarrassed. He's been all over the news. He's stepped down from leadership, and I hope that he just confesses it all and makes it through this season. Uh, but there'll still be wounds that will be carried for the rest of their lives. The, the I know they have at least one daughter, uh, the wife. They'll carry these wounds concealed. And the point, my point is, is that there is more to people? There's more to you than what is visible. Hear what I'm saying? You know, there's a a, a phrase I hear all the time. I, I I read it's been attributed to tons of people, but it's in one of Bob Dylan's books, um, where his grandmother told him, "Be kind. Everyone is fighting a hard battle." Now we know we all fight hard battles. Uh, but those that us are that are part of the upside-down kingdom, I like to say, I probably should choose right side up kingdom because it's this world that's upside down. But we live in a kingdom, the kingdom of God, that that comes at things from a totally different perspective. You know, it's like the Bible tells us if we're if we're facing lack, we should be generous. If we have enemies, we should be kind to them. <laughs> those that persecute us. Do good to those that persecute us, Jesus said in the Sermon of the Mount. As, as part of the kingdom of God, we have tools at our disposal. We have armor to protect us and spiritual weapons of warfare to fight against spiritual things, which is at the root of so much. So our focus today isn't on having our own need met. It's actually the opposite. It's demonstrating Our need to be compassionate, understanding, encouragement. It's about sowing those things toward others so that we can reap what we need. Titus chapter 3 verse 1 says this, 1 through 8. Remind the believers to submit to rulers and authorities, to be obedient and ready for every good work, to malign no one, and to be peaceable and gentle, showing full consideration To everyone, for at one time we too were foolish, disobedient, misled, and enslaved to all sorts of desires and pleasures, living in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not by our righteous deeds we had done, but according to His mercy, through the washing of the new birth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. This is the spirit he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we would become heirs with hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy. I want to emphasize these things so that those who have believed God will take care to devote themselves to good deeds. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Let's go Brandon is kind of a hilarious thing that's all over the place these days. And if you don't know what it is, Google it. you'll figure it out real quick. Um, it's you know it, it, it's hard not to laugh at the way some people are using it and saying it and I you know, we know what they mean. they're opposed to Biden's policies, but it's any it, it flies in the face of what Titus just said here. remind the believers to submit to rulers and authorities to be obedient and ready for every good work. I mean, lately the church is kind of being its own worst enemy. It's 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 like a big mean machine, you know. Uh, the, here we are as believers; we're supposed to be marked by kindness and mercy and grace, the fruit of the spirit: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. This is what should be coming out of our lives, not the works of the flesh, which are hatred and discord and jealousy and rage, rivalries, divisions, and factions. Right, that's in Galatians 5, uh, 20 through 23. We, the, the nature of God should be forming in us. You know, na- the nature of God is kindness. Romans 2, 4 said that God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. As we are more and more sanctified, we should be more and more changed into the image of Christ. That nature of kindness and gentleness should be coming uh, out of our life. This doesn't mean we agree with everybody. There's a time for righteous anger in response. Okay, but check it out. Even Jesus got angry. He got so angry that he made a whip. Now, think about the time. This wasn't spontaneous, premeditated. He walked into the temple and he saw religious people, not worldly people, people that were naming the name of God, taking advantage of other believers, and he took the time to make his own whip, and go back to the temple and just tear it up, flip the tables over and swing the whip everywhere. There's a time for righteous indignation, but judgment starts with the house of God, the word says. So for us to hold the world, people that don't profess Christ to the same standard as the church, man, we're way off base. Of, of course, I mean, it's, it's just not an equal battle. We, we don't come at it that way. And, and so we, our lives should be marked by kindness and mercy, compassion and grace. I'm not talking about rolling over and giving in to everything. We can disagree. You know, I, I got a picture one time uh, of grace. I, I was a youth pastor at Lighthouse Worship Center, and I prided myself on trying to really put on a big event every week. We had all these crazy games and media, you know, all sorts of things that we would do to try to... Make it a memorable, remarkable service every week was like a big deal. And I put a t- lot of time and effort, as did our team, into making that a great, great event every week for the young people that came. So I was at Walmart picking up some supplies for some youth game or something. I was in a hurry to, to get through and get done. I was running late. And I got in line. And I'm not going to lie. This really happened, okay? The lady that was ringing things up, is to date the slowest cashier I have ever run across in my life. The person in front of me had a bunch of bananas. She literally broke the bananas apart and weighed each one. Can you imagine? It was taking forever, and I was just boiling. I was ready to complain on her. I was ready to unleash on her. Here I am about to go do a church service and I'm just, oh, I'm oh, it's just getting worse and worse, worse and worse. I mean, the it is just rising in me. I can't wait to get in front of this lady. And as soon as I got the next, the guy, there's only one guy in front of me, but she took with a few items, but I guarantee she took, it felt like 10 minutes. And when I finally got in front of her, I looked at her name tag and her name tag was Grace. Her name was Grace. And the Lord checked my spirit and said, whoa, cowboy, hold on. You know, that is, we need to be reminded. That's what Titus said. He was writing to remind us. We need to be ready for every good work. 1 Peter 1.4, Peter tells us, prepare our minds for action and exercise self-control. That's what we need to do. Every day before we walk out of the house, right, we need to prepare our mind for action. We need to be locked and loaded ready to spread kindness, mercy, compassion, and grace. Understanding that the adversary is going to give you opportunity to do that, right? The minute that you make up your mind, I'm going to go out, I'm going to say a kind word to somebody, I'm going to pay for somebody else's food behind me in the drive-thru. I'm going to do something kind today. The enemy is going to do something to frustrate you. And that's where we have that spiritual edge. So here's what Jude says, one of my favorite passages. It, It really is a driver behind Life on the Verge. It's only one chapter of Jude, verse 20 through 23. But you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by the flesh. There's a lot of directives there, isn't there? We're told to build ourselves up in our holy faith. We're told to pray in the Holy Spirit, keep ourselves in God's love as we wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're told to have mercy. We're told to save others by snatching them. That means we, get, we, we don't run from the world. We're engaging the world, but we hate our clothes even being stained by the flesh. So we're to be engaging the world but how do we prepare our minds for action to do that? We build ourselves up on your way to work. You're praying. You're listening to scripture, or you read the word when you, you prepare your mind for action. Right? You 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 let love govern your day. So this is how we prepare our mind for action. But too often, we we plant seeds that prepare our mind for a bad reaction toward people. We watch things like. Uh, CNN, the constant negative news, or Fox, which is also constant negative news. We should keep up with the news. Don't get me wrong. We should pay attention to current events. We should take advantage of the freedoms we have in a democracy. We should vote, peacefully protest, but we can still be kind. We can still be graceful. We don't have to agree with people to be kind with them. If we did, then God wouldn't be very kind to us, would he? Most of us have lived a good part of our lives in opposition to God, uh, not paying attention to God, not giving God thanks, you know, and and disobeying his commandments. Yet he extends kindness to us and draws us to repentance. We need to constantly remind ourselves that because we were shown mercy, we should be people of mercy. Let me give an example. I guess being a politician these days, any day really, is such a rough and tumble world. Um, you know, and I look at this recent election in Virginia for governor, and, uh, you know, I looked at the two campaigns. You know, I usually watch, you know, Jeopardy every every night. I'm that old. Uh, my wife and I, when we're home, at least, you know, we'll flip on and watch, uh, to my chagrin, Wheel of Fortune. I'm not crazy about that show, but I watch it. Susan likes it. And Jeopardy, I like that show. I feel like I learn a little something. And I must have seen a thousand uh, political ads. And what I saw in McAuliffe's as a Democrat is he tried, his, one of his main lines, the core of his campaign, campaign was to link Yunkin to, uh, to Trump, right? That if you elect uh, Yunkin, you're electing Trump. Well, yeah, I'm a firm believer that many people didn't vote for Joe Biden. They voted against Trump. They didn't like his abrasive attitude. They didn't like his mean personality. Uh, it, I don't think, I mean, it was necessarily his policies were, all of his policies were horrible. Um, so regardless of where you stand on that, uh, you have to agree that a lot of people just didn't like his personality. Some people loved it. They loved that an outsider was coming in and just saying it like it was, you know. Uh, but a lot of people just didn't like his name-calling and that kind of thing, so they voted against him. Well, Youngkin, even though Trump endorsed him and he had this a lot of the same conservative policies, he beat McAuliffe. Why? I, I think because he came across as gracious. He came across as, as a kind guy. Now, I learned later... <coughs> Excuse me, Uh, that, uh, you know, man, they ran an ad yesterday, uh, an article yesterday, uh, that that showed tax tax, uh, uh, records show that Youngkin, uh, over the past five years, has given 40% of his income, which was $127 million was his total income. 40% of it went to charity, most of it to a foundation that supports uh, his local church. Isn't that amazing? So, regardless, look, you don't have to agree with me. I'm not endorsing anybody here, but you have to agree that uh, if you saw those ads, if you paid attention to the campaign, Youngkin didn't do a lot of name call. He had the same, a lot of the same policies, but he came across differently. I, so, you don't have to agree with what I just said, but you still need to be kind to me. Understand? Too many of the Christians today, you're making the church look like a mean machine stop it. You know, this, this uh, Travis Scott tragedy that just happened um, at World in uh, Texas, you know, eight people I think were killed and 25 were critically wounded because the crowd rushed the stage and he kept the show going. And, and of course he, they he stopped several times to, to, he didn't know that people were dying. I assume he didn't know, you know, he, he released something, said he's just devastated and his prayers go out. Now, I'm thinking the guy, I don't want to judge him. Probably a worldly dude. There are people posting on social media that he's he's satanic and he's a cult, he's he's a satan worshipper and and there are all these caustic things and I'm like, dude, you you know this is this is profound. What what okay, look. It, it, satan if you're to be a satanist simply means that you're following the rules of this world and you're denying God. You know, I don't know what they're saying. It just it just ticks me off. I'm like, that's that should not be our knee jerk reaction. It's a name call. You know, maybe maybe this will check his spirit. Look, Marilyn Manson just showed up at Kanye's Sunday service. Now, I don't know a lot about Kanye's Sunday service. He's he's naming the name of Jesus, and and the point Marilyn Manson was in a prayer circle with Justin Bieber, Bieber, and and Kanye West. What? Marilyn Manson has spent, I got a book on my bookshelf uh, about Marilyn Manson, and that guy seems evil to the core. He spent a couple of decades just lifting the name of Satan in every horrible way, and if you read the book, it's kind of an autobiography, it is horrific where this guy's coming from. By the way, his real name is Brian Warner. So, there are people that are throwing stones, like, what is Marilyn Manson doing there after all he's done? I'm like, dude... I, this guy just got charged with some sex crimes from years past. Maybe maybe he's giving him a check. I don't know. But the fact is that Marilyn Manson showed up at a church service. Come on, man. Let's ha- let's let's take the the high road and and assume the best. Not immediately start throwing stones, causing division, making the church look like a mean machine. So I'm reminding you today to be kind. Prepare your mind for action. Go out into the world and be kind. You know, when I was a forensic detective, I got called to the emergency room back in the 90s to take photographs of a little six-year-old girl who had been beaten and abused by her mother. And I got to the hospital, I had to take photographs, and the little girl was laying there nude. I I still have Polaroids. We used to take Polaroids as well for our own record books so that we could study injuries and manner of death, and that kind of thing. So we had our own little albums, and I still have many, many pictures from some tragic, tragic uh, deals. And this particular girl, six years old, she was laying on the uh, on the gurney in the ER, and uh, they rolled her over for me to take pictures of her back. Her mother had beat her, supposedly, with an extension cord. And there were just stripes across her back, you know, that... Just just horrible. Bleeding. But what was more terrible is that there were layers and layers of scar tissue where it had happened time and time again. When I was a youth pastor, we used to draw some pretty unseemly types. And, and I tried to remind myself that no matter how bad this kid acted... I couldn't see his back. And that's how I want to live life. I'm reminding myself of it even now. I can't see the scars. They're concealed. Most people walk around concealing all that stuff. So I'm not saying, you know, don't take a stand for righteousness when you need to do that. Um, Don't take advantage of living in a democratic republic. Um, but i'm saying our default should be kindness i i'm we're going to go over time 5 minutes because i really want you to hear this clip from jordan peterson i don't know how many of you have read his books or followed jordan he's a conservative that i think has struggled with his faith uh or the faith for many years but this was just released a few days ago and uh he's a look him up jordan peterson if you've never heard of him tons of videos and, and books out there about the the stand he took. He's a professor at a college, or at least he was, um, in uh, Canada and uh, took a major major stand against, I guess, some of the woke stuff. But uh, this is a, a powerful little clip. It's about five minutes, so we'll go a little OT. If you don't want to listen to it, look it up on YouTube. I think it's called Jordan Peterson, Warning to the World. And I'll close with this. God bless you guys. Prepare your mind for action. Stay locked and loaded to show kindness and mercy and compassion today. Amen.
1: A wing and a prayer, or the enemy. This has to stop. God lift from me the intolerable burden of my ignorance, arrogance, willful blindness, bitterness, and resentment, as I pray that others rise above the same faults and temptations. I watched Fox News release a message this week. There are terrible things afoot under the surface of our society, and the perpetrators are coming for you, and coming for us. And then I watched the Democrats respond in panic and anger, saying, there are terrible things afoot under the surface of our society, and the perpetrators are coming for you, coming for us. Are there terrible things afoot, bubbling under the surface? Is something coming for you and for us? Ask yourself how true that is of yourself and your own life. Have you addressed all that? Are you concerning yourself with the dust in your enemy's eyes instead of attending to the filth that obscures your own sight? Do we want accusation, suspicion, discord, derision, and hatred? Or the peace and prosperity and happiness that beckons to us at this moment like never before. Who's the enemy here? Is it the basket of deplorables? Is it the freaks and the queers? Is it the plumbers and carpenters and tradesmen and managers who work honestly and diligently during the day and the soldiers who stalwartly defend the borders and protect us? Is it the artists and visionaries whose expressions of unbridled creativity entertain and rejuvenate us and who continually offer to us an unending panoply of technological miracle? Is it the institutions that guide and protect us that so many lived and died to erect and establish, which for all their faults have served us so well? Do we want revenge? or justice? Do we want contempt or mercy? Do we want war or peace? And what are you aiming at in your heart of hearts? I see even the best of men degenerating into the exchange of blows. I see even the best of men identifying the enemy in our neighbors and friends. I see even the best of men falling prey to cowardice and self-righteous anger. It needs to stop. I need to stop. You need to stop. Before it's too late. Who is the enemy here? The snake in your heart? The lies on your tongue? the arrogance of your intellect, the cowardice of our refusal to see? The enemy is that which divides to sow discord. The enemy is the pride and the fear that stops us from lending a hand across the divide. The enemy is the great and eternal adversary of mankind. And if we demonize our brothers, our comrades in arms, do we not precisely call that dread spirit forth? Have we not yet learned? Courage. Trust. Truth. Love. Even unto your enemy which is yourself. God, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. May what is highest guide our vision. May what is highest open our ears. May what is highest guide our tongues. And may we pray, fearful of the hell we could so easily and carelessly create, deliver us from evil. Shine a light into the corners of our dark hearts. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.